0: the games i used to play in my younger wilder days the game of clubs and tees never crossed my mind but after some discussion with my closest dearest friends i decided that welcome into to another episode of the turn fantasy golf podcast as always my name is andrew putters it is time for the pga championship 2021 so we got the wrecking ball crew in here with me today Spencer Aguiar, Joe Nicely, both uh, skilled riders at rotoballer.com. Guys, are we excited? Are we excited about the PJ Championship? Kiwi Island.
1: Yeah, these majors are always exciting. Thanks for having me on again. It's going to be a fun show and we should have a lot to talk about.
0: Absolutely. So, Joe, headed into the major championship. How do we we need to get people on this rotoballer.com train. Uh tell me about a special you got going on right now.
2: Yeah, man, I, we feel like it sells itself. Uh, if you go over there and check our content out, we feel like you'll uh, you'll sign up no problem. Um, you can go to rotoballer.com. Spencer does a great article over there. The uh, Vegas reports, you can also catch out catch his uh, models ranking sheet over there, uh, which is amazing. Josh does a great course breakdown, something you need this week as we head to a course we haven't seen in nine years. Um, so go to rotoballer.com right now. You can sign up for our PGA premium package for $69. That'll take you through the tour championship. You can use promo code T off or promo code Nice. Either one, grab a discount.
0: There you go, guys. So before we get into the PGA, let's go ahead and recap last weekend. K H Lee takes on the championship with what a three shot lead, I believe over Mr. Burns. Mr. Burns did not have his best stuff over the weekend, uh, uh, really just never could have get anything going on Sunday. Then they had a massive rain delay, uh, which the course was not in championship uh, playability, but they went on unlike the NCAA in the women's regional down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. But that, that's old news. We won't talk about that anymore. Uh, but, yeah, KH Lee takes home uh, his, the title down there, the Byron Nelson Classic. Uh, really was never – I mean, after his front nine, there was, it was never a doubt he was going to win that tournament. Uh, local guy, uh, Scott Stallings. I mean, we, we can talk about it if y'all want to, but I know we mentioned his name a lot, but dude had 30 birdies this week. Very easily could have won. Shot a 40 on a nine hole stretch there. Um, and actually, I think he double bogeyed the second hole on Sunday. and still shot six under. So a 30 birdies, I mean, that's a lot. Shoots 21 under, comes out of the rain delay, makes a 16 footer, close out around, shoot 66, tied for third uh big for him uh y'all have anything take away joe you have anything take away from last weekend
2: i not a lot from the nelson man um first year at tpc craig ranch and i I sent out a tweet last week tpc craig ranch is the course field of golf (laughs) those guys lit it up man everybody looks everybody's a star out there um we 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 talked on the show last week we had josh Bennett on last week and and we really thought these guys would tear tear that course up and they certainly did um so not a ton of takeaways from the byron nelson kind of a uh paint my numbers tpc setup uh, lots of scoring room for the fans um so you know it is what it is um we, we were talking before we started recording kind of like these courses with a little more character and we're certainly going to talk about one this week in, in the ocean course but big week for east tennessee golf uh andrew stallings you mentioned had a deep run uh here in knoxville holston hills hosted the uh, corn fairy tour event the visit knoxville open grayson sig won that uh beat out steven yeager kind of a kind of an east tennessee adopted son uh grayson sig's a georgia boy but we had a had a ton of fun with that tournament i, I know you got to get out there a couple days uh, so enjoyed seeing that and our boy ron hall from the brook first team all SEC. Um, so, huge congratulations to Ryan Hall uh, at the University of South Carolina for uh, making the all-SEC first team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, uh, Knoxville Open, uh, thing about that, uh, uh, Carson uh Tommy Forster uh, finished tied 10th on a Monday qualifier, his first ever made cut on the Corn Tour, young guy, been pro maybe eight or nine months, so qualified for Kansas City. Another guy, I think it's uh, – Scott Smith, Steven Scott, something like that. The guy with the afro. I'm don't know if i sure you saw a little bit of him on Twitter. Also Monday qualified. He was like 2013 Junior Player of the Year, I believe, in Tennessee. He Monday qualified in. Finished 17th. Also qualified for next week in Kansas City. Uh, so, yeah, a couple of Monday qualifiers with some local ties or at least some state ties. Uh, Monday qualify. Uh, finished in the top 25. Go on. name Scott Stevens. Excuse me, Scott Stevens shoots uh, birdies to the last three to shoot 69, tied 17th to move on. So, yeah, we had a – there was a – Knoxville Open did not – or Holston Hills did not disappoint for the visit Knoxville Open. Had a, a lot of uh, great reviews from the players. Uh, number one, number two player on tour this year on the CornFray Tour, finished number one and two in the tournament. So, uh, yeah, and unfortunately, Jaeger uh, had a chance to get Battlefield uh, promotion to the PJ Tour with a victory. And uh, came up just one stroke short, which that would have been cool. Uh, go ahead and get that promotion, but uh, he's he he he'll have his card next year. He's number he's number one in the points, so I don't think he's worried about that. So, uh, just ca- moving on um, <clears throat> to uh, this week, PJ twenty twenty one. Um, what's there to talk about? When we'll let you start, Spencer. What I mean, we know we know it's seventy eight hundred yards long. What's there to talk about?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think the first thing you see is that's a jarring total 7,876 yards. That's the longest in major championship history. And it gives us an increase of 204 yards from the 2012 proceedings here. You know, when I think PGA championships, a lot of the makeups look pretty similar on them. We look at what's happened in just, you know, the past couple, Morikawa won in 2020 at 13 under. Kepka went back to back at eight under, 16 under Thomas at eight under, and then the last time it was played here was in two thousand and twelve, and Rory won it at thirteen under. But you know it is worth mentioning he had an eight shot victory over that field. So I think when you look at this course for what it is, like distance is going to be what you hear everywhere. And I do think that it does come into play to an extent. You, you have sticky paspalum grass that might affect the roll up off the tee. You have coastal winds that can create extra havoc in certain directions. But you know, I think it's more than just distance with it. I'm kind of targeting ball strikers that are going to be good at total driving high G I R percentage. I think that those are going to be critical stats and then guys that can score on par fives and, and players that can avoid three putting. That's kind of where I built a model this week. A lot of these greens seem to be to where there's collection areas, but I think you'll be able to putt from off the putting surface with it. So while around the green will matter, I think that three putt percentage is something that I found interesting because even though it won't be weighted for that by official bookkeeping purposes. A lot of these guys like Hovland that sometimes chunk chips and do random things. I think he may find more success being able to putt off the putting surface. So that's the route I went with it when, when trying to handicap this tournament.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of great information there. So yeah, uh, Keel Island, the ocean course 76 or 78, 76 designed by Pete and Alice Dye um back in 1991 uh most well known as the the war on the shore uh back in the early 90s whenever it hosted the uh did uh, it hosted the Ryder Cup I believe and uh that was the famous one uh famous Ryder Cup was really really windy that day uh, like you said, um, there's 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 a lot of water on this course, but actually the water comes into play only on six holes um, and another key ingredient. I'm not sure what the weather differences are historically, but, you know, in 2012 also this this term was played in August where this year it's played in May. I know as far as like Knoxville goes. Whenever you see that, you're going to see a lot more inconsistent weather in May than the consistency you see in August. Not sure if that holds true there. As far as the PJ Championship goes, this term is 105 years old. It's played 102 times, um, you know, organized by the PJ of America, which is very interesting. You know, we basically have four majors that are organized by four different organizations you know they're all pga tour events but all the majors are organized by different or ran by different different organizations um several former winners in the field the most important of course Roy mcelroy the, the winner in 2012 right so joe thoughts on this tournament this golf course right out of the sheet before we get into the DraftKings.
2: kings yeah man uh you guys you guys hit on a ton um you know, we, we, a lot of weeks we kind of skip over the course, but uh, I think this week the, the course is kind of the star in a lot of ways. Um, this year, the PGA, um, really, really unique layout, more of a link style layout, really, more like something we'd see in the Open Championship uh, than, than something we normally see from the PGA. So, you know, I think it's worth talking about the course a little bit. Spencer kind of nailed it on the head. Um, huge, huge Layout uh, on the card, 7,800-plus yards, longest in major championship history. Um, distance will be important. I don't think it's the end-all, be-all. As, as Spencer said, I think you also need to find guys that can actually hit fairways. Um, but it's one of those things. Uh, we, we saw with Bryson DeChambeau at Wingfoot, um, depending on the wind, which right now it, you know, it looks like it's going to be moderate, um, at least the first couple of days, um, depending on the wind, if everybody's missing fairways, um, I'm always going to bump distance up. Um, so that's something to kind of keep in mind. We saw Roy Roy went here in 2012, one of the best drivers of the ball uh, ever. So, you know, we can't say that distance doesn't matter, but if you did dive into that 2012 leaderboard a little bit more, um, you see Justin Rose, uh, Keegan Bradley, Ian Poulter, um, tons of Europeans up there in 2012 guys. So, you know, certainly had a, had a you know an open championship feel to it really so that's something I'm kind of looking at that's an angle I'll be taking a little bit um looking at guys that are good on links golf courses looking at guys that can play well in the wind um that that's a couple of things that I would add to what Spencer said as far as far as the statistics go
0: yeah and uh, for for the average golf fan uh movie watcher it's our another interesting uh, fact about this golf course is it was the place where the movie bagger vance was shot will smith and michael or matt damon uh, as far as if, if you remember that I, I remember watching that movie and you see like big huge wins in that movie and those were not fake wins that really happens there so like i said um even in a moderate day, Joe, we're going to see some heavy winds on the courses where the water is in play. Um, so um, we've talked about the course, we've talked about the tournament. There's nothing left but just go get dive right into the salary scale, guys. We now we're going to be talking about DraftKings today, and we'll hit with the big boys first. And this is this is the cream of the el Crape, as they say. Roy McElroy, JT, DJ, Rom, D. Shambo, Spieth. That's 10000 above right there, guys. Uh, now, if you want – we can cut off of the top four there. We'll leave DeChambeau, which is crazy. Is it, When has he not been in the top two or three in, in pricing? Is it, That's been two or three years – or two years, it seems like. Uh, so, let's we'll just say McElroy, Thomas, DJ Rom. We'll call those the big boys today. 10-5 to 11-5. Where are you at on these four, Joe?
2: Um, thank you. I've talked about Roy McElroy. Um, just, just because of the circumstances heading into this event, um, one here, obviously in 2012 and didn't just win. he dominated here in 2012, uh, the course was wet that week. Um, I don't, I expect it to be playing pretty firm and fast. There's not been much rain down there. Shouldn't be any rain coming up. Um, so I think it's going to be a, a different golf course to a certain extent than we saw in 2012. Uh, winds of course are unpredictable, but Rory's equipped to handle that. And he's coming off a big win at the Wells Fargo at Quail Hollow two weeks ago. His first win in quite a while. And uh, Rory kind of has been known to win in bunches. Uh, there have been s- several times over his career where he's, he's logged multiple wins in just a one-month window. So I, mean, I think that's something we can look at. Confidence kind of begets confidence with Rory. So I think we'd certainly have to take him into serious consideration this week, even though he is atop the salary scale. J.T., uh, continues to just do everything well tee to green continues to be cold with the putter um, that's something that might be negated a little bit by these past palom greens this week i think spencer touched on it uh, earlier but you know this this top of grass has very very little grain um, it's going to roll pretty slow it's kind of sticky um, so i think it's going to negate some of the the bad putters in the field honestly um, so it's something that you know if, If we love JT's game, tee to green, which we do, um, but we're a little bit worried about the putter, um, this might be a breakout spot for him. He he has really no weaknesses in his game. Um, Dustin Johnson, man, really, really disappointed with his year so far outside of the win in Saudi Arabia. Um, You know, really been a bad year for DJ, and I was hoping he would bring all that positive momentum from his big Masters win into this year, but just hasn't happened at this point. Hasn't logged a top 10 in his last six starts. Um, obviously he's got the South Carolina ties. Obviously he's great on long, tough golf courses. So this is normally a spot where we'd be all over DJ Andrew, but just not feeling it, man. He's just not give us a reason. I wanted to kind of hop on at the masters and, and hoping he would show us something, but he didn't. And ROM has kind of been playing underwhelming, looked, uh, looked human in his last couple starts, missed the cut at the Wells Fargo, um, kind of a ho-hum week last week at the Byron Nelson, but we know he has the power. Um, and the experience on links golf courses to handle this layout, um, so he's certainly someone to consider. But up at the top, um, Rory, I feel like we have to give the proper respect to, and JT, I feel like is probably the most complete player in the best form up there.
0: All right, Spencer, you heard all that. Now it's time to talk. Now it's time to prove Joe wrong. Who do you like here in that top four?
1: No, I mean I think a lot of what Joe said is correct with that. Like, the one thing with Rory is you know, if we would have looked at this two weeks ago, we're we're kind of looking at a guy that probably would have been closer to, I mean, if we're being honest, he'd probably be lower than DeChambeau. He might be in that 10,100 range. And, you know, the victory that he had at the Wells Fargo, the victory that he had at Kiowa Island in 2012, I think all those things have come into play. I think there's some, you know, bias that's being taken into account for him to jump to the top of the things. But like, the, the thing is with it is, you can't really go wrong with any of these guys. Because like, Joe is correct. We're looking at a venue that it's going to be a T to green type course. I think that putting will get negated. As Joe said, there's sticky past pollen greens. If, if we're looking at guys that are T to green, you know, stalwarts in this field, it's going to be all these guys at the top of the thing. Like just if I'm looking at my model from a two-year perspective, Rory grades out ninth, Thomas grades out first, Dustin grades out 11th, Rahm is fourth. All these guys kind of all fit the narrative. If I'm starting up top, I prefer Justin Thomas. I I think Thomas is the guy who's most likely to win this tournament if he brings his A game. As Joe mentioned, I mean, other than the putter, uh, I have the exact stat in my DraftKings article that's written for Roto Baller. I believe he's gained 6.8 shots, though, with his irons uh, per tournament over his last four. I mean, that is he's as world-class as it gets with that. His long irons are good. His short game is good you could say that the driving accuracy sometimes gets all over the place but you know he's still 35th for me in total driving and then yeah i mean dustin is probably the one guy that i am just not going to start with we look at it and he's going to be the lowest owned of the group i'm not necessarily looking to start there i think par five scoring with him is a bit of a problem he's 44th in my model there he's 83rd in three putt percentage that's something that could cause some problems and He just really hasn't gotten going since the Masters victory that he had at the end of last year. And then if we're just looking from a statistical perspective, and this could be said for any given week, Ron breaks my model almost any week that I run a model for him. He's number one for me statistically. He's inside the top 19 in every single stat that I have this week. But, you know, the current form leaves something to be desired. He is the miscut at the Wells Fargo. I don't think he looked great at the Byron Nelson in 34th. I'm willing to give him a pass there he's more of a guy that always is better suited for a test that's going to be more difficult than this you know like there are some european traits to this tournament to where if we're looking at an eight under type par victory i think rom does make logical sense like we've seen him all his wins typically come in that more of a challenging range whether it is you know challenging for even par all the way up to like a 10 under par thing so i, I wouldn't necessarily count that rom but if I'm starting up top, I'm starting with Thomas and then, you know, I'm sprinkling in a little bit of Rory, sprinkling in a little bit of Rom, and then probably just not playing Dustin for, you know, he might burn me with it, but I'm willing to take that risk a little bit.
0: Yeah, I'm feeling, I mean, if if you take away Rory's victory a couple weeks ago, I mean, we wouldn't even be talking about him this week. So, but the problem is Rory's a lot like the and nothing is similar about their games or anything but it seems like on the courses that bubba played well he was always a factor i mean we can't discount that he won here in 2012 right uh i do think that maybe the the course being wet back in 12 played a probably a good factor and now you know there back then and, you know 2012 is 9 years ago so you know i would have to say my opinions on the 2012 tournament was at that time of his career, he, when he won, he dominated, and we haven't seen that in a long time. So, I'm ready to throw him out. I'm ready to throw DJ out because we don't know if he has a leg injury or a nose injury or just wants to ride, ride more uh, jet skis on the weekends. Rom is uh, super inconsistent. Uh, really, been waiting for him to break loose and can't. So, the one the only only really the really the only one that makes sense for me is JT here. Uh, not saying that. I'm, I'm all in on him, but that's the only one that makes sense in the top four for me. Moving on, uh, this is the interesting group here. We'll just say ten two to 9,000. Um, DeChambeau, Spieth, Morikawa, Shoffley, Kepka, Matsuyama, Hovland, Webb Simpson, Reed, Cantlay. That's a powerhouse group, guys. Um, where are we going with there? You first, Spencer.
1: Yeah, and I think in reality, you could start in this section and bypass the top. Like, I I think there is less win equity up top than there usually is. The one thing I will point out is while we do have a full field of 156 players, you know, there are 20 uh, PGA Tour pros that are getting an exemption in. That does make this to where I don't want to say you can take a boom or bust uh, route with it, but there is the potential that more of these, you know, household names will make the cut on this. I I don't want to say that those 20 guys can't make the weekend, but they're much more unlikely to than they are to make it. So, you know, you could go any route with it, but I I just think there's so much depth from, you know, Deshambo down to, uh, you know, Cantlay in that. So if, if we're trying to like parse out exactly what we're trying to find here, I think a guy like Spieth probably makes more sense for a cash game. He was one of my biggest risers when I was, when I did my model from an overall rank from a safety perspective uh, he jumped up 14 spots for me in safety. A lot of that is just his current form. The ninth at the Byron Nelson, the third at the Masters, the win at Valero, the ninth at the n- match play that he had. Just a lot of good results in a row. I don't necessarily think he's going to win the tournament. And at 15%, I'm you know, I'm probably not going to start GPPs there necessarily. But you could really make an argument for a lot of these guys. Like Morikawa is the defending champion. He's fourth for me in my model. Xander, this is the prototypical course. I would say, like, if we're looking for guys that need to be good total drivers of the ball, guys that are you know good ball strikers, greens and regulation, complete games, it's usually Xander and Rom are the two guys that I'm pinpointing when I'm trying to you know figure out whether it's DraftKings or bets with it. So, you know, Xander's second in my model this week. He kind of grades out well across the board for me. Deshambo is going to give you that boomer bust nature where you don't know what you're going to get. I don't love where his game looks like it's at, but. He has the upside to and the distance to make a run at this. Kepka, I'm probably in the same boat that I am with Dustin. He makes a big jump for me when I'm just looking for upside. He's one of the biggest climbers for me there, which makes sense. He's a big game hunter. It's a major. He has the skill set to make a run. I just, you know, we haven't seen it from him. He, he missed the cut at the Byron Nelson. He missed the cut at the Masters. He's limping around every single hole. So I feel like he's going to be tough to get to. Hadeki, we can make an argument that it's going to be hard to win back-to-back tournaments. It doesn't mean that he's not, you know, necessarily a play for a DraftKings perspective. That's probably more of an outright thing, but I'm not necessarily looking to back a guy that has a lot of pressure on him to try to win again. And then two of my favorite, or I guess my, maybe my favorite play, which seems to be everybody's favorite play is Victor Hovland and Hovland's third for me in an overall rank. He's fourth from upside, fourth for safety. We see back-to-back thirds from him at the Wells Fargo and the Valspar, but you know at 22%, you're going to have to make a decision with it. And as I mentioned previously, as we were discussing just overall like feel of this tournament, if a guy like Hovland is capable of putting from off the green, he's a much better putter, I would say, than he is with his around the green game. He's 48th for me in putting. He's 23rd over his last uh, 24 rounds with this he's 74th in his around the green stats. And I don't think he's nearly as bad around the green as the public leads on to it. I just think that you get these random implosions from him where he chunks it two inches in front of himself. And then the narrative becomes, well, he's the worst, you know, around the green player there is. I think that's a little bit overblown, but Xander's probably my favorite Hovland's my second. I mean, unfortunately those are the two most popular guys uh, maybe other than Spieth in this section, but I really like those two. And I mean, I think you can make an argument to start there and it leaves a lot of room to build lower than that. The problem is, is if you do start with like a Xander Hovland route, you're going to have to differentiate somewhere with your lineups.
0: Yeah. Before I turn this over to Joe, you know, my biggest concern in this group is that I, my favorite two players looking here are also Xander and Hovland, which many other people will, like you just said, Spencer, but in, in let's be honest. If we've played him in every major up until now, yeah, we've had good finishes, but zero wins. Is that a concern for uh, you in saying that?
1: Yeah. I mean, to an extent, I mean, cause we still need to find win equity. Like I think we can spread the win equity out a little bit differently. Like if we think like, I mean, if I'm just running it from what my model says on this, the highest win equity guy that I have would be Thomas in this tournament and I have him as a slight value at where his number currently is right now, you know, most of these guys are going to be less than 5%. So I think if we look at it from that, like there is marginal concern, but in the same breath with it, a guy like Xander and Hovland, they're knocking on the door. Uh, I mean, especially Xander. Xander has been, you know, top five being these majors for the last couple of years here. Sure. Hovland, you know, like it's going to, it will be a jump when he does, You know, if we just look at what he did the last time he played this, he came in, I have it here, 33rd place at the PGA Championship in his one attempt. So, you know, sure, it's going to be a jump if he can do it. But, like, I I guess my bigger concern than the win equity would just be the percentage that everybody's owning those two guys. So if you're going to start with them, you're going to have to differentiate. Like, I I know, like, one of the things I always come on here and say when you guys have me on is you know you're going to either one have to differentiate to be way over the pack when you do it or three if you're playing a millionaire maker contest you're going to have to be a little bit outside the box and maybe for something like that you could talk me out of trying to play xander and hovlin and fading that route in general and building other places with it but if we're looking at single entry if we're looking at you know three maxes if we're looking at tournaments with you know a thousand people two thousand people I don't have a problem with starting there. I think there's enough win equity with them that they can make a run. And I think they are perfectly suited, but I guess it just comes down more to the game type of the contest that you're playing than anything else.
0: All right, Joe hit on this nine K range after hearing all that.
2: Man, it's uh, I feel like we could do a whole show uh, on this range guys from, from, 10-2 Ten 2 down to nine K. I feel like we could talk about these guys forever. Just really endless, endlessly interesting uh, players in this in this group. Uh, I guess kick things off with the Bryce and the Shambo, um, who feels like always. It seems uh, when you're talking 10K plus, which he usually is, he always seems like the most boomer bust to me up there. Um, seems like he has a ton of win equity. Uh, if things go the right direction, but it also feels like he has really miscut equity, honestly. Um, I question how well he can play in the wind is my concern with him. I love him, obviously, with his length on this golf course. I love it. Um, I love his ability from 200-plus yards. I feel like that's a factor that we've maybe undersold a little bit this week. Um, These guys are going to have to be very good long iron players. Um, you, you also are concerned about his scrambling ability at times. So I feel like there are question marks with Bryson, but I also feel like there's obviously that ability to dominate that, that he has like very few people in this field do. Um, Jordan Spieth, I'm in, boys. Um, I'm in, boys. I don't want to overthink this one. Um, the guy's a great win player. Uh, he's won the Open Championship. Um, he's ranked first in this field, I believe, in strokes gained par five. We know he has a legendary short game. We know he comes to play in major championships. Um, he, he's in the best form we've seen him in years. So, you know, it's, it's not one of those things where I want to spend a ton of time talking myself out of Jordan Spieth. I'm, I'm just going to throw him in there. Uh, Morikawa, I always love. Uh, the length's a little bit of a concern. The around the green game perhaps is a little bit of a concern, but his ball striking um, always puts him in the conversation. He's always going to have a chance. Um, on long, tough golf courses like this where ball striking is important. Um, Xander, uh, I love, just like you guys, he's, he's popular for a reason. Um, if, if you come up with the perfect player uh, for this course, Xander's going to be kind of at the top of the list. Uh, we've seen him consistently play well on long gor- golf courses, hard golf cor- courses, and major championships. Uh, we've seen him play well in the open. He can handle the wind. Um, he's solid in all areas of the game. Uh, sub 10K price tag, so you know Xander's going to be extremely popular, but it's for with a reason. Um, and the same can be said for Victor Hovland. I think both of you guys know how I feel about him. Love the kid. Uh, love his attitude. Love his game. Love him on long golf courses. Love him on hard golf courses. Uh, he's third in this field in strokes gained off the tee, 11th in strokes gained approach. His long irons are excellent. Um, the around the around the green game is evolving. Um, definitely not horrible anymore. And I'll tell you this guys, um, Victor Hovland has two career PGA tour wins. Uh, one at the Puerto Rico open and one at Mayakoba. Both of those golf courses have past Palum greens, uh, which is what we're going to see this week. If, if putting is a bit negated, and um, we're looking strictly at T to green, Victor Hovland, you know, probably deserves to be the most popular player on this scale, which he will be. Uh, but i'm in agreement with spencer you either get all in or all out um you know it's tough to say it's a tough decision to make um but w- if you're playing in a tournament like the millie maker i feel like you've got to be extremely underweight or extremely overweight on a player that's expected to be as popular as victor I'm,
0: I'm all in on victor i just want to throw that in there all in you know set me up to the blood bank baby i'm starting i'm ready to donate i'm this all is in a,
2: on victor this is a podcast Andrew.
0: Yeah, I mean, last week we was all three on Shambo Could not be more wrong. This week we're on Hovland. Uh, you know, honestly, I, I really like this, the Xander call just as easy because it seems like the guy's in every major. I mean, he's in the gust until, until he hit the, the the shot Joe never wants to talk about again. But, uh, you know, I, I, I really think a, a great place to start this week, and, and I hate – is is really a hovland jt jt hovland would be like i wouldn't be against going 100 on both of them if and, you and
2: and you can do it i mean as we'll get on down the salary scale andrew um tons of value man tons of viable value um so i mean you can you can pretty much go any direction you want to go on this slate so i mean you can you can go um like you said a jt hovland uh, spencer mentioned you know, Xander, Hovland, I like Jordan Spieth up there as well. Um, you can really take take this uh, roster construction anywhere you want to take it this week with, with the amount of value that's down there that we'll get into.
1: And I just want to add one thing to what you guys are saying with that because I, I think it's a really interesting point just to touch on. You know, one of the reasons why when I run my model, like I'm always trying to find value versus whether it's the casino or DraftKings, which in turn that just becomes against other DFS users with it like just because Hovlins 21% and i'm not advocating necessarily for everybody to go this route with it but just because he's 21% like andrew just said you can go 100% on hovland be exponentially overweight to the field and you know that's kind of what i'm trying to do like when the numbers make sense if you can find a narrative to where it makes sense from a value perspective it makes sense from like like if i'm looking at hovland like if we're just taking hovland for what he is he's third for me in my model no matter pretty much how i run it he's a slight negative in an ownership toll. He's going to be the most owned guy, but if I want to go play Hovland at like a hundred percent or, you know, like 60, 70, 80%, depending on how many lineups I'm actually building here. Like there is a route to go do that. And, and I kind of too, like, I think Justin Thomas starting with him is, is the easiest place to go. And then either filling in Xander or Hovland feels like a second easy spot to put into it. You're just going to be very popular. And if you do that, it might need to be where you're doing it at 60, 70, 80, hundred percent or whatever the number is. And then just finding ways to differentiate lower on the board. Like Joe just mentioned, there's a lot of spots. There's so much value to be had down here to where if your model is spitting out, and I think that's why we all build models and we all, we all have a different way of doing it. If your model spitting out a guy that's higher than the consensus in the industry, I don't think all chalk is bad chalk. You always can play chalk and get around it if you're just above you
2: know, what the threshold number is on it. I'm, I'm getting a little bit of deja vu, Spencer, because I feel like you, you were on for us uh, the week of the Masters, and I feel like we had this exact same conversation about Jordan Spieth that week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we all loved him. Uh, we all knew that the ownership was going to be very high, that he was going to be very popular. But, you know, we said on the show, uh, just, just as you said, you know, get in or get out, you can go extremely overweight and make your stand on Spieth um and kind of overcome the ownership and the, the guy goes out and logs a t3 um so you know sometimes you can you can outsmart yourself a little bit in these spots um you can get a little bit skittish because of projected ownership um but as but as you just said spencer there are definitely ways that you can leverage um leverage the ownership levels in your favor
1: for sure
0: So, guys, moving out of the nines into the eights, another star-studded group. I'm not going to name all these guys, but, uh, um, you know, obviously the one uh, near the top, actually the two at the top, Cam Smith played great at Augusta, uh, just a bulldog. He's from Australia, plays in the wind a lot. Um, So, and the the name that everybody loves, Willie Z. I mean, weekend win now, in week out. Willie Z is going to be talked about. Uh guy bombs it, hits it straight. Biggest weakness probably is putting. Um, but uh if he can hit a lot of fairways and greens on this track, it's gonna it's gonna do him well. So uh where are we at in the eight thousands? Um uh go ahead, Joe.
2: Yeah, tons of options here as well, Andrew. Uh you you can camp out in the eights and I'll tell you what would kind of be a contrarian build this week is is just hang out in this 8K range. Uh, Maybe start your lineup with a Cam Smith or a Willie Z. Um, Both are very viable options, in my opinion. Cameron Smith has been a stud, boys. Uh, He is playing excellent golf this year. Love him on tough golf courses. Um, You know, for all all we talk about the length, you know, these these fairways are fairly wide. They're 50 yards wide in spots, Um, and that's kind of what I always worry about with Cam Smith is his ability off the tee. Um, but we see, you know, kind of the forgiveness off the tee at Augusta. Um, he's able to handle that. So, you know, if he has a little room to operate here, um, he's an excellent win player. Obviously, he's an Aussie. Um, great around the green. One of the best short games in the in the game today. So, love Cam Smith there. You know I love Willie Z. Um, Up-and-coming superstar. I think his popularity is going to be up a little bit with kind of the casual DFS players um, because of that big performance at the Masters. Daniel Berger, kind of an intriguing guy, closed out really, really strong at the Nelson uh, in the final round, and we know what he's capable of when everything's clicking. I'm really disappointed at the Masters, but there are lots of sick, lots of signs pointing his direction this week. One earlier this year at the, the AT and T Pebble Beach, uh, which I feel is kind of like a kind of like a North American cousin to this golf course. Pebble Beach is also on the ocean, see a ton of wind there. Um, so there are some similarities with Pebble Beach and, and the ocean course. So I think you have to consider Daniel Berger. Tony Finau has been another major championship uh, beast, really, when, when we talk about his results in majors over the last three years. Um, you know, he's right there with Xander as far as just being consistently fighting for top tens and top fives. Doesn't have a win, but, you know, I think we have to consider Tony. His length will be a huge asset. And then a couple more guys um, that I'll close out the range with. Scotty Scheffler is a bomber off the tee. He's very good around the green handles tough golf courses very well. Plays Pete Dye golf course as well. And then Matt Fitzpatrick, um, the Englishman, we have to figure a link style golf course, a lot of wind. He's a very accurate player and he's played extremely well this year. So, you know, I feel like there are tons of options here in the 8K range, um, th- that you can kind of lean on this week.
0: You know, uh, I'm forever a no play on Fitz Fitzpatrick. I I'm a forever fader of the Fitzpatrick for whatever reason. Uh, I mean, obviously, a great guy, uh, very well liked on tour, very well liked in the in the fantasy world by most of the shows. But uh, I can never get on back on on the bag with him. For some reason, it just doesn't seem like. Um, I think the length is it gets me a lot. Uh yeah,
2: the length the length is a concern, Andrew. I mean you're you're hundred percent justified in feeling that and I'm glad you pointed it out. Um, you know, it length length is a gonna play a factor this week and fits in very long off the tee, but he is accurate off the tee. He's ninth in this field and strokes gained off the tee. Um, but yeah, man, I mean he just he doesn't he's never gonna never gonna blow you away statistically, never gonna grade out terrific in in any ball striking categories. Um, even though he has been pretty solid this year from T to green. Um, but you know, I feel like just, just in, in these circumstances with these conditions, uh, you know, swirling winds, link style golf courses, um, you know, he's certainly worth considering there at 8,400.
0: I agree. I, I can't, I can argue that. Um, Spencer, where, where are you at in this range?
1: You know, I, I think we start with Cameron Smith. Joe had a good point just with these being wide fairways, his downside is always going to be his off the tee game. If he's able to hit fairways because these are wider, I I do think that he makes some logical sense. My model has him 15th from a safety perspective with it, which is a much higher climb than I have him from an overall rank. So a lot of that is just taking in his current form. Some of that takes into what Joe just said also with it. Uh, One of the first names I saw when I was trying to do this was Daniel Berger at 8,700. I'm sure Joe remembers this quite well uh, in, in the one and done contest last year. I had Berger at the PGA championship. Joe had Morikawa. We were in a dead heat at that time and Berger went into the weekend with, he was the favorite at some books to win that tournament and a terrible Saturday took him out of contention to where he just couldn't make anything. And Morikawa got hot with the putter ended up taking the tournament. So, you know, I think that 13th place result at the PGA championship, I know a lot of people are down on Berger just because, you look at it and it's like, all right, he has a run at the U S open a couple years ago to where they lost the course at Shinnecock. And, you know, you could say that him and Finau probably got a, a finish that they didn't deserve when they stormed up the leaderboard on Saturday there. And then if you look at the PGA championship with him. He has a 13th in 2020, the 12th in 2018, but he doesn't really have that top end result. Like I'd argue that a little bit, just that last time around that 13th place could have been a victory it should have probably been a top five. So I wouldn't necessarily overly, you know, knock him down from anything with that. If I'm playing devil's advocate with him to some extent, I do think he's a better par 70 player than he is a par 72 player. I think, you know, three of his four wins have come out in par 70s. The the par 72 victory was at Pebble, which is a short course. So you know, maybe there's some downside there is around the green game can get sloppy at times with it. But one of the first things I ever wrote for public consumption that I released out there was in 2017, I released an article just on my own personal site stating that Thomas and Berger would each have a PGA championship within the next five years. And ironically, Thomas ended up winning that tournament to get that. And this would be the last year of that five-year run. So I feel like I'm kind of invested into this Berger thing that this is his last chance to, you know, make that bold claim that I had being correct on that, but, There's a lot to like about Berger. There are some problems that you can find if you're diving a little bit deeper into it, but you know, they're hard to ignore. And the other guy that I really like, if we just go all the way down to the bottom would be Terrell Hatton at 8,000. know, he's a European player. He's going to be able to handle the wind. Um, Joe brought up that proximity from over 200 yards is very important. He's number one in my model there. He's number one in three putt avoidance. That's a really dangerous combination. And, He's 37th for me over a two-year sample size on par five scoring, but I'm not necessarily like, that's fine enough. If he gets hot, you know, with the putter, he's good with the irons at the par five scoring comes around. I think he has the upside to win this tournament. I don't think a lot of people are talking about him. You're going to get him at, you know, seven, 8% owned. It wouldn't shock me if Hatton could come out of left field and win this. And, you know, I mean, other than those three, I think you have some GPP potential with Sung J M. You always kind of have that with him. I'm probably, you know, I'm, I'm neutral on Scheffler. I think Joe brought up a lot of really good points of why he makes sense as a play. He's the number one player in my model in total driving. That is going to mean something. He's only seven to 8% owned. You know, even at where I have him in my model, I have him as a positive value uh, compared to the ownership rank little tool that I run on my thing. So I think he makes sense. You know, I, I probably am not in on Fitzpatrick. Like I'm more on the line of where Andrew would be with it. But the one thing I will say is he's sixteenth off the T. I mean, that's taking in different things than just distance, obviously, but there is distance that comes into play for that number. So if he's good off the T, maybe he can handle this. It's a European type feel like that can work for him. His game is in a really good form other than whatever, you know, he pulled last weekend with this. So, I'm willing to forgive him a little bit there. He's 16th on difficult courses over his last 50. He's 13th on, you know, windy and hard condition courses with it. He's seventh in strokes gained total over his last 24. So while I'm not going to necessarily be able to get on Fitzpatrick, like I can understand where he's coming from there. And then the rest of the range for me is either like I'm net neutral on where the ownership is, or I'm a little bit below, like, I just, I can't seem to find myself on Fleetwood either, you know, he burns me one way or the other with it. So I don't know if I can get there. And then, I mean, I guess if we're trying to just find random other names to discuss here, you know, there's always Louie who seems to show up for majors, but my model didn't have him as a positive value. So there wasn't, wasn't a ton of positive value for me here. Hatton would be the big one. Berger showed up as big value. Um, Zalatoris shows up as value. I, I never really mentioned him with this, but, Zalatoris, with the way he can strike the ball always is in play and then you know maybe a little bit of Sunjay i'll throw in there but most of these other guys i'm not going to have a whole ton of exposure to maybe outside of cameron smith as a, a catch game type play
0: yeah i feel like 8k range is going to be a big uh i'm not going to say there's a lot of talent there but it's going to be more of your y range as far as you could get a stud or a dud out of this group for sure uh, as far as this finish but uh Yeah, 8K range is very interesting to me. Moving on to the 7K range, this is going to be the easiest pick for me out of the whole group. Of course, could not fit up any better for me on this, the wind. The wind player, Joaquin Nim, hits the ball low, hits it long. You know, I don't care about his accuracy off the tee. Like you said, 50-yard wide wide fairway. So, uh, I don't even know where his accuracy is. Don't care. But he bombs it, hits it low. Uh, where i didn't like him at augusta i love him here uh, other than that i'm probably going to stay away from most of the guys in the 7k range other than when we get down to cam champ cocrack they bomb it off the tee maybe throw a little chris kirk in there a little splash here and there spencer what do you got going on in the 7k range
1: yeah neiman's a really good to start so if i'm just looking from an overall rank on my model Neiman is the number one player for me in this range. He's number nine overall. When I'm looking at, I think Paul Casey makes some sense. We saw him come second at the last PGA championship. He's a great total driver. I think there's, I think the thing with Casey is a lot of people never want to play Casey and he's going to be popular this week. I mean, we're looking at probably 13 to 15%, but it's less people than probably should be for the way he's priced on this. I think a guy like Casey, some of his lack of win equity sometimes negatively affects him when he's a $7,000 golfer. I'm more willing to take a shot on him than I would be if he was in the 9,000 range or, you know, for some of these smaller tournaments in the 10,000 range, Corey Connors was a guy that graded out well for me, you know, guys that are ball strikers, guys that are going to hit a ton of greens in regulation, Sam Burns graded out pretty well. Uh, Keegan Bradley graded out well, when we saw this played at Kiowa in 2012, he came in third his form looks really good right now with the 18th at the Wells Fargo, the second at the Valspar, 23rd at the Valero, bunch of other top 30s a little bit before that. And then my favorite value in this range would probably be Jason Kokrak at 7,100. We see two top 23s from him at the PGA Championship over his last three appearances in this tournament. He has the 13th at the Valspar. When I'm looking from just total driving, he's sixth for me in my model. He's inside the top 40 and par five birdie or better percentage. He's inside the top 20 when it comes to playing difficult, windy courses. And, you know, he's inside the top 40 when it comes to proximity from over 175 yards. So I just think this is a really bad mispricing on the part of Jason Kokrak. You know, can he win the tournament? I don't know. I did take a shot with him at 150 to one. I think it's worth the gamble for a guy whose putters turned around over the last year. And the way that he can hit the ball off the tee, anything is possible if he can come out here and just not be bad around the greens, like he's 92nd for me, that's where the problem is, but he's 21st in putting. And if we're able to get a guy that, you know, can putt around the green, as I keep saying, he's 43rd in three putt percentage. That's, you know, a 50 spot improvement. So I'm hoping for that. Maybe he can catch lightning in the bottle here. And if he does, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he gives you a top 10 performance out of kind of nowhere down in this range. And that's what you're going to need. He's going to be popular. Don't know if he makes the most sense to pair in like a big tournament with some of the big guys, but at 10%, like I am just so overweight with him pretty much across the board.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. Spencer. I'm, I'm always all about some Jason co and feels just insanely cheap in this spot for how well he's played this year. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's been uh, super consistent really throughout 2021 Uh great tee to green, plenty of length, ranks 10th in this field, strokes gained off the tee. Um, and just at 7,100, I mean, he's one of those guys you almost feel like you can lock in um, to kind of circle back around to the, to the top of the sevens. Also throw out a name we uh, mentioned didn't mention there at 8K, and that's Louis Oosthuizen. Um, a guy that's been a consistent major championship performer for years and years and years. Um, had a T21 on this golf course back in 2012 for whatever that's worth. Um, just kind of illustrates his longevity. Uh, and his pedigree and how, how well he's been doing it for years. Coming in in, in solid form. Uh, runner up there at that Zurich team event. Um, had a T8 at the Valsparg where he gained five strokes on approach. So I just want to throw Louie's name out there. Um, Spencer, you and Andrew both mentioned Joaquin Neiman. Um, you know I'm a big Neiman fan. Andrew knows as well, and and I love him here. Um, he's His length really isn't talked about as much as it maybe should be. Um, I think he rates out fourth in this field in driving distance, um, over the last 24 rounds, just really, really long off the tee. Uh, as Andrew mentioned, he's a low ball hitter, which you feel like, um, in these windy conditions we'll see this week can be an asset. Um, whereas at some golf courses, um, it hurts him, uh, you know, Augusta national kind of being the one that comes to mind and, and a guy that I feel like a lot of people are going to be talking about. A lot of people are going to be rostering this week. Um, kind of like some of the other popular plays we've talked about, um, totally understandable, and that's Abraham Answer, um there at 7,900. Um, has been unbelievably consistent as of late. Um, had a late run there at Quail Hollow a couple weeks ago. Had a runner-up finish. Uh, just making cuts left and right. Going in some top fives now, kind of demonstrating that upside a little bit. Um very solid in all aspects off the tee approach, uh, proximity, very good scrambler, um, has shown that he can handle these kind of tough golf courses. Um, so I feel like Abraham answer is going to be very popular, but it's with good reason. Um, I'll have some exposure as well. You mentioned Paul Casey. We saw him at 7,700 for the masters. And here we are again at 7,700 for the PGA. Uh, certainly a, a viable option there. Um, Corey Connors, uh, I'm almost always on board. I'm a little bit worried about the short game, the the around the green game specifically. Um, and he has faded a little bit And um, his last couple of starts. Haven't looked quite as sharp as that unbelievable, really run he was on. Uh, but you love the ball striking, so you know anytime there's windy conditions expected, you want to look for strong ball strikers. And Corey Connor certainly fits that bill. Uh, Sam Burns, man, the guy's playing great golf. had a had another chance to win uh last week at at and after winning at Valspar um do we go to him here um he's a great great player off the tee extremely long um his approach game has certainly improved um so I mean I think we can look at Sam Burns uh a name I just kind of want to throw out there Spencer I don't know if you've um kind of kept up with him over on the Euro tour Garrett Kigo. Um, this kid, man, he's kind of making some waves, uh, overseas has a couple of wins, uh, just over the last few months over on the Euro tour, he's a South African, I believe he's 24. Um, so certainly a rising star in the game of golf just hadn't really, uh, you know, impacted the American fans yet, but Garrett Kigo is just kind of a fun name, uh, to toss out there kind of this week and, and for the future moving forward. Uh, Matt Wallace, um, is a player that I like this week, Spencer, um, he's an Englishman. Uh, we saw a ton of them atop the leaderboard in this event in 2012, and he's played extremely well as of late. You have to figure that he can handle this link-style golf course. Um, he's a great wind player, has enough length, um, and he's been excellent with his irons as of late. He's gained strokes T to green in his last four starts, um, had a T3 at Valero, had a T6 at the Wells Fargo, played well at the Masters, played well at Harbortown, a Pete by track. Um, we, we've seen him pop up for some solid finishes in majors in the past. Um, so I just kind of like where his game is right now. I don't know where his ownership's shaking out to be. Maybe you can tell me where you have him, Spencer, but, I uh, really like giving Matt Wallace a look. Uh, and then, you know, I'll throw in there with Jason Kokrak, a couple more guys that feel really underpriced, feel like great value to me. See Kim at 72. Uh, we know he's a Pete Dye guy. Uh, winner of the players winner of the amex uh, has played well at harbortown over the years um, and, and really has played for siwu uh, relatively speaking has played really consistent throughout this year so i'm, I'm definitely interested in CW. Um and then a couple of uh, the term podcast favorites cameron tringali and chris kirk down there at 7k kind of rounding out the sevens tringali it's kind of been a little bit controversial on Twitter. Uh, our boy Nagels is kind of kind of throwing some uh, Trangali truthers under the bus. But you know what? He's played well this year. Grades out well statistically in lots of areas. So I think you can certainly look at him and Chris Kirk. Uh, really, really good in all areas as well. A little bit concerned about the length. Uh, but I like where his game is. And I'll throw Emiliano Grio in there. He's a ball striker. Um, if putting is negated this week, Spencer, like, like we've talked about a little bit on these greens, um, you kind of have to give Emiliano Griot a look just due to his ball striking. Um, talk to me a little bit about Griot and take me down into the sixes, man.
1: Yeah, I think Griot is a good call that I did not mention that I I'm in hundred percent agreement with you on him. He's 21st for me in my model. He's about as good of a ball striker as you're going to find in this range. I think that when you look at guys that can play in windy condition, he's 22nd in moderate to severe wind over his last 50 rounds at 10%. Sure. There's some popularity there. I don't think that that's a number that I, I mean, I'm fine with that. If we're looking, if we backtrack to Matt Wallace. He's going to be about 15% own. that's popular. Uh, but I understand with where you're coming from. He's 23rd in my model strokes game tee to green. He's 11th over his last 24 rounds there. He's eighth on stroke game approach over his last 24 rounds. So there's a lot to like there. I mean, if you're looking for a guy down in this range that possesses upside, he makes sense. And the one thing I'll say to all of this is the chalk in general has just gotten exponentially better than it used to be. I think if you look a year ago, a guy like Matt Wallace wouldn't necessarily be the chalk. I think that the public has gotten smarter. I think you know shows like the Turn Golf Pod and, and other shows out there, there's so much good information that's being released that guys like Matt Wallace end up jumping up in ownership when there is a Discrepancy in pricing, the way that it should be, with it. So you know, I understand with where you're coming from with Wallace. It scares me a little bit at the fifteen percent, but you know that's something that you kind of have to make a decision on. And then with Garrick Higo, I don't have any data on him or enough data for my model to be able to register it. And it makes sense; he's playing, you know, primarily on not the PGA Tour. So, but the one thing is with that, you're looking at a guy that's going to be, you know, what roughly one percent owned. Uh, I, my model doesn't say one way or another exactly what, But if you can find something like him, that's where if you do start with like a Thomas Hovland, Thomas Xander type build, a guy like that just quickly differentiates you from the pack. So, you know, that a guy like that is somebody you are looking for if you're trying to fit into a player into that range. The only one player that you mentioned that I am not on, and it seems to burn me every single time on this Pete Diet situation would be Wu Kim you know I didn't play the narrative for the American Express he won the tournament I just think the storyline is a little bit overblown especially when you know we're paying a premium for it when it comes to his ownership here Uh, I don't think Kiowa is necessarily a prototypical die design I I could be wrong on that I didn't necessarily think it was going to work for the American Express and he goes out and wins the tournament so you know he might end up burning me at 12 percent I'm willing to I can't play everybody. I'm willing to look the other way on him and hope that I am on the correct side of Siwu there. But if I start building down into this, you know, $6,000 range, I don't think you need to go that low. I think pricing's pretty soft in the low sevens to where you don't need to go much lower than some of these guys. I think like a guy like Ryan Palmer at 6,900 makes some sense from an upside. He's 16th for me there. He's one of the best par five scores in this field. He's a great win player. I think somebody like him would make sense. I think Carlos Ortiz, if you're looking for a GPP guy that's going to be lowly owned, I, I have him at about 2%. My model has him just inside the top 35 when looking at volatility. You know, his recent form hasn't been that great, but the 21st at the Byron Nelson turned it around a little bit for him. And then, you know, if I guess, I mean, you could take a shot with Peters. He's going to be popular. We saw him. He's had great success at the PGA championship. I, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to get there. I didn't love what I saw for him last week. but a lot of these guys are either I think the course is too long for them or you know there's something that I don't like Harold Varner. I, I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Harold Varner 29th and a 36th at the PGA championship. can get him for 6600. My model has him as a pretty big positive. I have him 43 spots higher in my ranking than the DK pricing there. And then if I'm scrolling through, you know just down, there's a little bit of value for me on steel um, there's a little bit of value on domin but we're starting to get into a range of guys where, you know, the miscut potential is starting to go through the roof and then really lower than domin I don't have much, I, I would say the one guy where pricing is really soft on him would be JT Poston. I worry about distance with him. Uh, my model doesn't have him making the cut, so I don't necessarily want to, you know, put a big stance on him at, he is going to be about 1%, which is going to be, you know, a percent more than anybody down in that range, which is fine at a percent, but I don't know, lower than domin I'm probably not playing really anybody else. domin maybe provides a little bit more safety than that 6,400 might indicate there, but uh, yeah, who do you like in this range? Yeah,
2: I, I mean, there's guys that are playable to me down here, um, but as you mentioned, I don't know that you have to go down here. This week, I feel like you can, but but you don't necessarily have to. Um, there's there's some kind of in, intriguing lineup differentiators down here. Um, if if we're starting out chalky up at the top, um, you might want to take a shot with some of these guys. One guy I just wanted to quickly mention Spencer that we we probably criminally glanced over uh, is Brian Harmon. Um, he, he's playing really well. Um, Price at seventy four hundred, not long off the tee. Uh, which is probably going to knock him down in a lot of models, but the the guys just putting up great, uh, great performances week after week. Um, so I wanted to shout out Brian Harmon there. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, very similar to you. You mentioned Ron Palmer. He kind of jumps off the page there at 6,900. We know the upside's there. We know he's an excellent ball striker, a veteran that can handle tough golf courses. I kind of think back to, uh, to the memorial at Muirfield village last year. It's a different golf course, but you know, very tough, uh, long layout and difficult conditions. And he played extremely well there. Um, Stuart sink, um, is a veteran that kind of knows how to handle himself, uh, in this type of environment on these golf courses. Um, he's 47 years old, but, and I'm not sure where even ranks and driving distance. I'll have to pull that up, but the dude is long off the tee, man. He is not short. Um, so I feel like you can give Stuart Sink a look playing really good golf and and he's got kind of the veteran experience needed to handle this uh, environment and the same can be said for Charles Schwartzel um, who's playing extremely well as of late kind of popped up out of nowhere been down in the depths the last few years and and kind of working himself back into form had a great showing at the Byron Nelson Um, played well at the Zurich with Louis Oosthuizen of course so I think you can look at Schwartzel Peters, disappointed last week as a, as a pretty popular option, really, at Byron Nelson. Um, so an interesting rebound spot for him. I'll, I'll kind of have to check ownership. Won't be going there if he's chalky, but you feel like he has the length needed to handle this golf course. Um, John Catlin's an interesting player um, that's been playing very well on the Euro Tour. Christian Bezadenhout, uh, another kind of Euro-twinged Euro, Euro twinged, you know, player that we can look at here. Um, Although the length and the ball striking is a concern, but he's an excellent scrambler. If things do get tough, these guys are missing greens left and right. You have to love his short game. Um, And after that, you know, I would throw out maybe a Sam Horsfield, a Thomas Dietrich. I mean, just just throwing out some Euro tour guys' names. Uh, Since we did see international players perform so well here back in 2012, um, you might look at some guys like that that play primarily on the Euro tour. Antoine Rosner is another guy that you can look at um, that, that fits that mold. Um, Brandon Steele we know has some length, um, so he's a guy you can look at. But, but as you said, Spencer, I won't, be, I won't be depending on these guys down here this week because I don't feel like you have to. Um, I feel like there's enough really good value in the 7Ks that, that you really don't have to dip down into the 6s other than to differentiate your lineup or if you're going like ultra stars and scrubs or something.
1: Yeah. If you're like looking for somebody that's just completely off the radar that I just would want to mention, and my model doesn't have him projected to make the cut. So, I mean, we're diving really deep down into this would be Brandon stone. He has a 12th place at the PGA championship in 2018. And while I don't have much data on him and some of it's a little bit outdated, there were a few stats on him that popped out. I mean, he's going to be a 10th of a percent owned Probably he was ninth in total driving for me. You know, I don't, that, and a lot of that is from driving distance. I don't know exactly what courses those are coming from and why that number is as high as it is, but it's something that popped out if we're looking for distance. He was 39th in GIR percentage, 23rd in ball striking for me. And there's a lot of horrible trends with him. I mean, there's a lot of things he's outside the top 100 in, but that's just somebody I wanted to mention just as a complete dart throw. If you're looking for somebody super cheap that like nobody's going to own whatsoever. And, and I, I am happy that you mentioned Harmon if we're jumping back into the $7,000 range really quickly. Harmon's a guy for me that's 20th overall. He's 18th from a safety perspective. I just think his form is so good right now. He's number one for me in three three putt plus around the green. So there's a lot to like with him there. And then, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, I'm pretty much like you're kind of taking shots down in this range. And I don't think you necessarily need to go down that low. In my DraftKings article um, that I wrote for Roto Baller, I marked my safest play as Stuart Sink. So I'm with agreement with you on there. My most upside was Ryan Palmer. My favorite GPP was Carlos Ortiz. And I guess I was a little bit different than you. I had my fate as Christian Bezadenhout. My reasoning for that is, is that if putting is neutralized, I do think he loses his biggest thing. He still has his around the green game that he can turn to. But, you know, if you turn away some of what he does do well, I'm willing to look the other way and, you know, just hope that, the. I mean, if he's missing greens, he's not scoring so Uh, i'm gonna probably fade him but in this range you're just picking and choosing and throwing darts and what you like and you could probably build a lineup that you really don't need to be much lower than 6900 if you didn't want to be
0: yeah guys i'm not really i'm staying far 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 away from this 6000 range Uh, that's just me um, so I'm, if I'm if I'm building lineups this week, I'm gonna try to if I if I am gonna dip down there, it's not gonna be any lower than 68. But I will say this: shout out to a friend of the program, Jason Gandy at Gandy Golf at the local Willow Creek Golf Club, uh, caddying for Y e. Yang this week. Uh, the Tiger Slayer, uh, 6200. Not expecting um, big things out of him, however. Still gonna give our boy Gandy a shout out uh for doing that we was hoping to get him in knoxville for the cornbread tour but unfortunately didn't get in at his status so but uh everything you guys said i'm i'm almost stick away from that 68 i love peters peters has uh, always been one of my favorite guys to to uh to put in there but he hadn't really shown anything in america in several a couple of years really uh, unfortunately um uh yeah ha- really i mean what five years ago there was the sky was the limit for that guy you know, and, and just, I don't know, for whatever reason, hasn't been able to produce. So, uh, I do like Ryan Palmer, uh, 6,900. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. If it's me, I'm trying to get everything closed up before it hit 6K, though. So, in saying that, say this, we've come almost to the end of the show. And we got to close up with the, with the hearts and darts play of the week, guys. Uh, so, I'm going to start with you, Spencer, since you're our guest. Where is your heart at this week on who's going to win? And 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 who's a dart play?
1: Well, I really wanted to come on here and say Xander's going to win his first major here. I, I'm not going to go down that route. I, I just think Justin Thomas is a little bit safer. I think he has better upside. We've seen him win a PGA Championship. I think he's overdue to win another major. I think he checks pretty much all the boxes that you're looking for. I think he's a perfect build to start – at on DraftKings, I think at 11,300. I mean, for me, he should be the most expensive player. Like I have him above Rory. So I think you are getting a bit of a rebate on DraftKings. I think you're getting a rebate in the betting market. I've seen, you know, shop around, find the best number you can find. I've seen him as high as 17 to one on some local books. You know, you're looking more in that 13 to 15 to one range at most places. My pick to win will be Thomas. If you're looking for a dart throw down the board, Jason Krokrak would be my guy. Love him on DraftKings, like him at 150 to one a lot. And then, uh, I mean, if you're looking for a guy with maybe a little bit more of a chance to win, it would probably be Joaquin Neiman. I don't have a ticket on him. I'll spoil that for my Vegas report. He's going to be the one guy if he wins, I missed out on it. At least at this moment, I don't have him. I was considering Neiman and Casey for a last, uh, you know, dart throw into it, but I really like Terrell Hatton you know, if you're looking from that 50 to 70 to one range, I think Hatton fits everything you're trying to find here. I love his long irons. I love his, uh, his, his ability to not three putt. If he can just clean up on some of the other problems, keep his temperament in order. I think you can get a finish from him. That is better than what the price tag is indicating.
0: There you go, Joe, Joe heart and dart where you at.
2: Oh man. So many so many guys that got my heart up at the top this week, man. Uh, and guys that are favorites of mine. I mean, you know, I always love Morikawa. you know, I always love Hovland. Uh, it feels like everybody does this week. Um, but maybe there's a little bit of a little bit of flop lag with Jordan Spieth in the majors. Um, everybody was on him at the masters. I don't think he's going to be quite as popular this week. Um, but, but the form has still been excellent. Uh, love him in the wind. If it gets up, love his ability to scramble love his ability just to make golf shots um and and I love his heart man so my my heart's going with Jordan Spieth this week um with with a shout out to Victor Hovland uh for dark play I really like Matt Wallace down there uh we touched on him kind of when we were going through the salary scale uh he's an Englishman can handle any weather that pops up has played extremely well um so so I like Matt Wallace down there you guys know I love Jason Kokrak and and it's kind of a deeper dive I'll, I'll throw out charles schwartzel man the dude has been extremely good uh, on approach and t to green in his last two starts uh gained over six strokes on approach in each of his last two um gained uh, roughly 10 and 8 t to green over his last two so you know he's a guy that's got major championship experience um so i'm, I'm throwing out charles schwartzel down there at 6800
0: spieth and schwartzel huh and we and uh co-crack and uh who's your who's your heart played going with jt jt i did we're, we're about to see unprecedented a, a heart and dart play at ap here just right i mean i'm with i'm gonna blow your mind for the first time in the history of the show the heart and dart play is the same person joe walkie name gonna win this tournament boys oh wow 7900 walkie name gonna win this tournament Got nothing for you other than I mean I love the low I'll, he hits a, he bombs it he bombs it uh, we haven't the ground's not going to be wet so it's going to roll he hits it low um, I mean he's got a lot to overcome a lot of great players in this field but uh, I just feel like it's his time to shine uh, you know will he be able to you know handle the the big major uh, major playability on the weekend who knows who knows the pressure I mean that's just I, haven't, I haven't
2: missed the cut all year AP. Haven't missed a cut all year. He, I'm going got... walk walking in him, heart
0: and dart play. Uh, there you go, guys. That's my pick for the show. Um, Spencer, another great to have you on again, and uh, look forward to doing it. uh Maybe maybe a month from now, we'll see. Father's Day weekend, possibly right. for, for the U.S. Open. Uh, Joe, hope everything is well. I got a. I'm in a golf tournament right now. Did not play well today. Got a 9.060 time in the morning, so I got to get after it big the bbi is uh, this weekend the beaver brook invitational this weekend uh you'll see a lot of posts about that pj championship 2021 thank you spencer thank you joe thank you rotoballer.com best place in the world for your daily fantasy needs if you like what you hear today hit the like button smash the subscribe button even throw us in a comment it helps us out once again this is the Turn fancy Gal podcast signing out
1: I decided that I'd
0: give it one good try But that was my first big mistake I've already hit three in the lake
2: It's gonna
1: drive me